ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. And it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Gotta tell you, Blankers, I am fat and I am happy. Uh, J Bar M brought in some delicious food. Yep. Uh, their sausage corn dogs are the best I've ever had. Their smoked chicken wings, the perfect flavor. The flavor's amazing. Uh, served with some ranch that they have that they make themselves. It's delicious. The pretzel they brought in, and then I'm saving this bad boy for later. The banana pudding, which you love. I love banana pudding. It's one of my favorite desserts. Love some banana pudding. Uh, J-Bar-M's great. If you haven't been there, you need to go. Uh, good occasion to go. How about the 4th of July? $5 sausage corn dogs. You will love it. You will absolutely adore it. Uh, happy hour all day. Live music in the breezy covered beer garden. That's important in the Houston heat. And then full parking lots. Where else can you find full parking lots in Edo? J-Bar-M is fantastic. I'm fat. I am happy. And I'm going to sit here the next three hours in a very good mood. Hoffie's a great dude, too. Yeah, he's jacked. He's a big dude, he's, too. He's jacked. I think he's a former rugby player. He's Australian, but he's a large dude. And then he wears those, yeah. like, California Highway Patrol shades he's that cool. are, like, just basically says, don't mess with me. Yeah. He's um, he's my muscle. I like him. Okay. He's my muscle. By the way, you said Taco Tuesday. Did yeah. you? We talked I about this a little Taco bit. Tuesday. I created that. But you know who has the trademark for it? Joe's favorite spot. Taco Bell? Taco John's has the trademark for the phrase. So, you know, LeBron's now doing the commercial after all of his Taco Tuesday social media. LeBron's working with Taco John's? No, with Taco Bell. Oh. And he, they bleeped out when he said Taco Tuesday. And it's because Taco John's owns the, the, the copyright to the phrase and won't give it up. Huh. Interesting. I, I learned that on the news this morning. What, what, what kind of stuff do you watch? <laughs> it was Good Morning America. Was it really? Yeah. I watched Good Morning America. Yeah. Actually, no, I don't watch Good Morning America. That show's trash. I watched the Today Show. Okay. Today's show's good. I, I prefer the Today Show. See, I'm a little it's whatever's on the t- Well, it's whatever's on the TV at the time, uh. or if I flip channels because I know Lisa doesn't want to watch Sports <laughs> Center. So before I go walk the dogs or do something, I might hit one of the morning shows and I hit 13. Uh, I was also notified the other day when we were talking about tacos and we said taco mayo. It's taco, uh, not mayo, like mayo or whatever. The emphasis is not mayo. It's like a f- Spanish phrase. For what, what? Mayo, Taco Mayo. It's Taco Mayo, not Taco Mayo. Okay. So it it makes a difference, right? Like Taco Mayo sounds way better than Taco Mayo. Taco Mayo, Taco Mayo. Where do you want tacos from? Taco Mayo. I guess so. Taco I, Mayo. It's scary to me to think that. It, <laughs> I, I think mayonnaise on a taco, which is disgusting. It's kind of like uh, Cinco de Mayo, right? Like it's spelled Mayo, but it's Mayo. Mm-hmm. Taco Mayo, not Taco Mayo. Like it's, it's a spelled huge difference. Amen, but it's Amen. It's Amen. It's uh. It's like you. Amen. It's uh. Yeah. Uh. You're saying ah. Uh, it's uh. Okay. <laughs> you say potato. I say potato. A lot of people. It, it is. I've heard a hundred people say it, and they all say it differently. Or it's potato, potato. Same thing with ime or ime adoka. I don't hear that one mispronounced. Oh, I have often. people correct me every day on the air saying it's ime adoka. No, it's ime. That's what I was saying. No, you were saying ime. Okay. <laughs> you were. Okay. It's true. Okay. 
We Go just, check the tape. <laughs> I think Joel is saying he was saying it correctly, and they were trying to say he was saying it wrong. He was saying it wrong. I never said I may before. I used to say E may, and I got corrected. It's I may. Oh it's, my god! It's not it the letter. Changed. It's not the letter that it's spelled. Like it's his name is. How is his name spelled? I don't. I couldn't even tell you. It's I M E, and it's instead of an I, it's an E. It's E may Adoka. Okay. Well, I was saying E may, and I got corrected on. I got corrected on the text line multiple. I mean, you on were the, saying I me. Okay. You were. Check the tape. We'll check the tape later. Uh, you're Dana Brown. You're Dusty Baker. What is one move that you would make if you're either guy? You can start wherever you want. I don't. If, it, if Dusty's kind of the more popular trend, like whenever we're talking lately, it's more Dusty than Dana. But if you had one move you can make, and like within reason, let's start with Dusty. For each guy? Yeah, for each guy. Let's start with Dusty because I think it's a little bit more I think with Dusty pertinent ba- at the moment. See, I think with Dusty Baker, his level of trust is always so great with his own roster and his own team that I think that he would go with a starting pitcher. I think that he would go with a, a guy that was capable of being somewhere from a four starter up that would bolster the starting pitching and make up for the guys that are done for the season. And that he has the belief that his his offense is going to be fine when healthy. Yeah, I don't. I meant more from like a managerial perspective because he he's controlling the dugout. I mean, last year he kind of controlled some trades too. Yeah, uh, ex nang the whole Wilson Contreras trade, which turned out to be you know I think the right decision. Hindsight twenty twenty, I think he made the right call. I meant more from the dugout because I think that there's three options for Dusty that the fan base would like to see. I think you can start in the outfield more. Chas McCormick a little bit less. Uh, Jake Myers specifically, maybe a little bit less Corey Jolks. Jolks has been Jolks has been pretty hot. Like last week or so, he's been swinging a good bat, but he's still like 100 points below Chas McCormick in OPS, and he's starting more than Chas McCormick. I think that that's one area. Yiner is definitely going to be someone that people push to the forefront and say, yep. look, can't keep the bat out of the lineup. You can't run from the fact that Maldi isn't even Maldi of a year ago. Right. And because this team is chasing, not being, the ch- not being chased, it makes a big difference. Yiner's is probably the, the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. Yiner might be the most popular answer. You can get in on this too. 713-780-3776. You can make one managerial move. You can be Dusty Baker for one move. One move, you're Dusty Baker. What are you doing permanently for this team? Some people might say, bench Jose Abreu. I don't think many people would say that, and he's been swinging a much better bat in June, and after his sabbatical, you know, he's hitting the baseball hard, so that's probably not very high on the list. Some people might say Mauricio Dubon. Find a way to play Mauricio Dubon every single day. Uh, however you do it, get Mauricio Dubon in the lineup more. I know that's something that I've heard a lot of people say. Granado hopped in my comments the other day and said that on Twitter. Some people might say, don't ever pitch Rafael Montero in a high-leverage situation ever again. Make him a mop-up guy. Make him an emergency guy. Uh, whatever the case. But, like, Dusty, in our little practice here, our little exercise here, we're not, we're not making a roster move with Dusty's decision. We're playing manager for one second. What is the one move more than anything else that you would do if you're Dusty Baker for one move? 713-780-3776. I think another one that we talked about yesterday that should be right there too is we are done experimenting with getting the young guys time for the sake of getting the young guys time. I don't need to see Madris. I don't need to see Caesar Salad. I don't need to see um, what the, the Kessinger. I, I don't need to see... Guys that are glorified triple A'ers that you just kind of want to give a pat on the back and an okie doke to by getting a start sometime, you're not in a position of strength enough to be doing that anymore. Your offense is hurting. Your best player's out. You need your, some of your other best players are underperforming. 
You've got to maximize your lineup right now, and it's not by getting those guys a chance to play baseball on the major league level. You don't want to see any more Fifty Shades of Gray Kessinger, huh? You're out on that? I'm out. Uh, I think that's a good answer. Like I, I think it's silly. Since Jordan Alvarez has been out, Gray Kessinger started twice, Cesar Salazar started once, and Bly Madrid has started once. That isn't. You don't need that. You don't need that when nope. Jasmine McCormick's not playing every day, when Mauricio Dubon's not playing every day. I'm good with that one. It's difficult if I only had one, though, if it's... I, I need Yiner to catch more. I know that Yiner's playing a lot since the injury of Jordan Alvarez, but when Jordan comes back, what are you doing with Yiner? Like, Yiner's been one of your best offensive players. Jordan comes back, he's probably going to take most of the DH spots because you're trying to keep him healthy. If you're still stubborn and going to keep Martin Maldonado behind the plate, you know that Dusty, unless he's giving Abreu a sabbatical, uh, isn't going to play Yiner at first base over Jose Abreu. And in fact, Mauricio Dubon has started more recently at first base than Yiner Diaz has. So if I could play Dusty, uh, Dusty Baker for one managerial move, I'm making Yiner Diaz my primary catcher. He's starting three to four games out of every five or six games. That way I can get the bat in the lineup. That way I don't have to worry about when Jordan comes back. I don't have to worry about Dusty's loyalty to Jose Abreu. It guarantees me that Yiner Diaz's bat's in the lineup, and it also guarantees me that his bat is in the lineup for your worst offensive player. Yeah, no, look, I, I think that's that has to be the starting point simply because they are in almost desperation mode offensively. I, I think that he has proven that he deserves to be in this lineup, and he brings something, even though Dubon has shown signs of power, too, in, in this last little stretch. And all season, really, he's got, the, he's got the ability to have a little pop. But we know Yiner Diaz has a lot of pop. And, yes, he's still got a lot to learn. That's the benefit of all this, too. He's got a lot to learn about choice selection, you know, uh, pitch selection, about you know, being able to take a walk and work a count and understand the strike zone. But he's so raw but still so good and powerful when you need power with Jordan out of the lineup. He's got to be in the lineup. I don't disagree with that at all. And because of the fact that, like I said, for as much as everybody starting with Dusty has just been in the Maldi camp all the time, there's just more negatives than positives when you can start pulling all the different things that everybody tries to hang their hat on with Maldi. Because other than being the team psychologist and the pitching staff psychologist on the field, everything else really doesn't hold water anymore. The offense doesn't hold water. The defense doesn't hold water. The the, the fact that he's he looks to be somewhat complacent or lazy behind the plate now and he's not doing the things he used to do, and maybe that's also tied into you know, the, about, the ability to not go over to first base as much, the bigger pizza box bases. You can roll that in, too. He's not the same catcher that got him a lot of leeway playing defensive catcher for this team, too. So I would think you're right. That's the start of the list. That's my one managerial move. I'm playing Dusty for one move. I'm benching Martin Maldonado. Yiner Diaz is my full-time catcher. You're going to go with get rid of the scrub starting, which... Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be upset about that at all. I don't need to see Fifty Shades of Grey starting twice. Salazar and Madrid each starting a time as well. What are you doing, uh, Joe? What is your one play, Dusty Baker, for one managerial move that you're doing the rest of the year? Well, I want to prepare for Jordan Alvarez's return, so I want Mauricio Dubon in left field every day. Okay, all right. I think Dubon should be in left, and then Alvarez should be your DH, and then when. Alvarez comes back, you have Dubon left, and you just got to figure out Diaz. And catch first base, DH some days, like a majority of days, that's your lineup. Would you rather Dubon start more games or Diaz starts more games? The the numbers, the, the, the batting average with runners in scoring position is so low with Diaz that it's been really overlooked because uh-huh. of how bad the team has been overall. I like the lineup a lot with Dubon in it. 
So I would, I think at this point, I would still like to get a guy like Diaz to get, on, I mean, uh, Dubon to get on base more. You can Dubon doesn't walk much, but he does get on base more than Yiner because he, yeah. he hits for a higher average slightly. Now you can just play both. Like you can play Dubon and left, Chaz and center, Jordan's your DH, and then you can just catch Yiner or play him at first. Like you can do both. It's not necessarily an either or thing. See, because I think my solution too gets us all, all, all three of us kind of almost where we need to go because Dubon's got to be in the lineup because Yiner's got to be in the lineup. And we're not going to play any of the kids anymore that don't belong in the lineup. Yeah, but you could play Jake and Jolks. You could. And you could play Maldi. So, like, you agreed, like, you shouldn't be playing Kessinger, Salazar, Madrid well, when your you solution, have this rotation. Yeah, we're not going to play Maldi. No. Yeah, right. Now we're combining, like, what each of us would do yeah, for sure. Yeah, Seven, right. I like all three of our suggestions. Yeah, we, we should just take over, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. over Dusty Baker. Exactly. We could just rotate with managerial the, ideas. The other one that I, I have was just when there's a needed off day. Don't give two off days. Exactly. That's don't take Red out over two yeah. days. Yeah. Don't take Pena and Altuve it's out ridiculous. of the lineup. That's why Greg Kessinger has two starts. Yeah. And it's why Mauricio Dubon has one less start. Because you're sitting two guys in one day, so Dubon's filling in for one spot. Kessinger's filling in for the other. How about you rest player A one day, player B the second day, and Dubon gets both of those starts? It's not hard. 713-780-ESPN. Uh, you can play manager for a day. You can play GM for a day. What is the one move that you're making? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Cash him or trash him, will a bitch. What's the latest in Rocket Free Agency rumors? But you get one move, manager move, GM move. What is it? Killer Bees, ESPN97.5, ESPN92.5. teams covered no stalking points necessary you're back with the killer bees on 97.5 and 92.5 live from the veritex community bank studios all right you can play dusty for a day you can play dana brown for a day what is the one move you get that's all you get not even a day you get one move that's it one move it's going to take precedent for the entire year what is that move 713-780-3776 i want to make yiner my primary catcher 4187 says Dusty's not sitting Maldonado for a rookie. You're probably right, but he should. I, I really don't think that mine's all that realistic, which kind of begs the question when Jordan's back and he's the DH more than half the time, what does that mean for Yiner? Is Yiner just going to go back to being a backup catcher, backup first baseman, a rare pinch hitter in the eighth inning of a close game for Maldonado? Uh, it's worrisome because I think that Yiner's been one of your best sluggers this entire year. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Scott to the HRP listener line. What is the one move you would make if you're Dusty? Let's bring Willie in. Willie, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Willie? Yeah, since we just go disregard defense with catcher and center field, why don't we just go all the way? And I'm gonna bench Pena for do for Doobie. Pinch, okay, Pena for Doobie. But, Willie, i got to ask you a question. Why do you think we're disregarding defense at catcher and center field? Okay, the matches would tell you that uh, Myers is one of the top three center fielders in the major league, in the American League. Yep. And Dusty, and, and, uh, Dusty said that Yonner is not ready to be an everyday catcher. Okay. So, 
Go ahead. I like I like your points there, Willie. I agree about uh, uh, I agree about Myers. The, the analytics do like Myers and say that he's defender, one of the best yes. defenders yep. in center field in the American League. I agree with that. It's interesting to me, though, Willie, that your I guess your arguments for each player are very different because Jake Myers, you're looking for something that is tangible, computer metrics, the analytics that show his zone rating and his range and all of those things. And then your defense for Maldonado's because Dusty says so. So, like, those are very opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to defending a center fielder and defending a catcher. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of the hidden intangibles. Now, some of the tangibles that aren't hidden, pass balls last year, Martin Maldonado led all of the American League. You talk about pop time, where Martin Maldonado is still fine with his pop time, but Yiner's better. Yes, he is. The framing, both of them are actually pretty bad. Go look at Yiner Diaz's framing on Baseball Savant. Go look at Martin Maldonado's framing on baseball savant both of them are poor so willie i i i don't disregard defense at all i think defense is very important especially up the but, middle i just don't think that maldonado is that much better a defender than yiner now center field jake is a better defender than Chaz, but Chaz is also an above average defensive center fielder and willie on the flip side of what you said too don't disregard offense when you're one of the the, the worst offenses in the league in terms of the lower 10 in the league when you shouldn't be in the fact that if we stick with what you said and if you want Myers in center and Maldi behind the plate for for defense, a team that can't I didn't score. Say that. Well, you're saying that we blatantly disregarded defense, but we're concerned also with the fact that you have to take the big picture into, into consideration. This team can't hit. It's not hitting. It doesn't get big hits. It doesn't get consistent hits. And Jake doesn't get consistent hits. Maldi Maldi doesn't <laughs> hit. So that's why I'm trying to get more offense into the lineup. Uh, okay, so that's what that's my point. What I'm saying is, since Pena strike out all the time, way more than Doobie, Doobie got a better arm, why don't we just put Doobie a short? I understand. And, like I, I get it. I get it, Willie. You know, I, 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 I'm not, you know, I think I think uh, uh, Maldi should, should only catch one or two times a week also. But since everybody... Always, you know, jumping on that one guy with his 154 average. Uh, I'm, I'm being a contrarian. I got you, Willie. No, I understand. Like you're, you're defending more the reaction to being anti Maldonado than you are necessarily like disagreeing with the point. Because I get that. Like. For example, I think that the whole DFA Rafael Montero crowd is pretty outrageous and prisoner of the moment. Like, we saw Rafael Montero at his peak last year. Let's call that his peak. I don't think he's ever going to be better than that. I think there's a really good chance he's never that again. I don't think he ever is going to reach his peak again. But you don't just get rid of a player who has a peak of being one of the best relievers in all of baseball. He had a sub-2 ERA last year. You don't DFA those guys. A lot of times we get very prisoner of the moment, reactionary, like Phantom IL, cool. Make him the lowest leverage pitcher in your bullpen, cool. You're not going to DFA a pitcher who has the potential and the ceiling and the peak of being a sub-2 ERA guy out of the bullpen and one of the best setup guys in all of baseball. You can't DFA guys like that. You're getting rid of potential talent. It's never going to happen. Um, it's kind of the same thing that Willie's saying with Maldonado. Willie's not saying that Maldonado needs to catch five times right. a week. He's saying that the I guess the reaction to Martin Maldonado is crossing the line. It's going too far. Uh, we're not putting emphasis and value on the hidden intangibles yeah, that Martin Maldonado has. The moves that we talked about not only didn't really have a fall off of any major proportion defensively, 
but it was a massive improvement offensively at both positions when you desperately need offense. Yeah. Yeah. The and then the 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 Pena like the Chaz Jake thing, I think Jake should be playing fifty percent of the games. I think he should be starting half the games. He should be starting whenever you have a fly ball pitcher on the mound. Whenever Christian Javier's on the mound, Jake Meyer should be your starting center fielder, and Chaz McCormick should be playing in left. We've talked about this a lot the last week or two. Chaz McCormick is performing at a level where he has set himself apart from jokes and Jake Myers. So Chaz should be playing every day. I don't care if it's in center. I don't care if it's in left. And then you pick between jokes and Myers, depending on who they're facing that day, who's on the mound for you that day, because they want Myers in center when Javier's on the mound. But that should be the basis. That should be the decision. As far as Pena for Dubon... He's not the, Willie's not the first person I've heard suggest that. Ocho suggests that all the time because he loves Dubon. Jeremy Pena and Mauricio Dubon aren't that different offensively this year. Well, now, how long, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about Pena's numbers for shortstops in the American League as being in the top three. Defensively or just offensively? No, offensively. I haven't looked recently, but I mean, 714 OPS for a shortstop's okay. Like but we were talking about bad. a couple weeks ago. He was second in the American League among right. shortstops in home runs. Yeah. And, and second on the team at the time, he was in home runs as well. And that his offensive numbers were productive for a shortstop in the American League. Like, Joe wants to get Dubon in the lineup every day. His suggestion was to play Dubon in left field. I, I think that he should start in left field whenever he's not filling in for an off day. Like, if Bregman needs an off day, Dubon plays third. If Peña needs an off day, Dubon plays short. If Altuve needs an extended spring training, he plays second base. When Dubon's not doing one of those things, I think he should be in left field most games, almost all games. When Abreu needs a day off and Yiner's in the lineup, then Dubon, go play first base. But... Making Mauricio Dubon your permanent shortstop over Jeremy Pena, I, I can't get there. Uh, I think Pena's a better defender than Dubon, and I love Dubon defensively. I think Dubon, if he played second base full-time, he'd be a gold-glove level defensive second baseman. I think he's a good defensive shortstop. I don't think he's to where Jeremy Pena's at defensively. And then offensively, while they're much different styles, like Pena's got more pop, Dubon's got more contact, neither one really walks a lot. Dubon doesn't strike out a lot because he's able to touch the baseball. The difference in OPS between Dubon and Pena is 11 points. Dubon's 725, Pena's 714. Like, it's surprising that they're so close because we think Dubon's having a great offensive year. We think Pena's having a bad offensive year. And they're 11 points behind or 11-point difference in OPS. And as much as Dubon is having, like, a Montero year from a year ago, like, Dubon has a resurgence offensively we've never seen before. We didn't think he could be this kind of hitter, and he has been. We know he's a versatile defender. But the fact of the matter is, the future at shortstop is Jeremy Pena. And whether it's James Click or Dana Brown, they're not going to overlook that in making decisions like that. And I think Dusty Baker, based on what the kid did in the playoffs last year alone with the trusty Dusty Belly moves, you know in Pawpaw's belly, he's not going to want to sit Jeremy Pena. 713-780-ESPN. Good points, though, Willie. Uh, 713-780-3776. You can play manager for one move. What is the move that you're making? You can play GM for one move. What is the move you're making within reason? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. If you want to play Make a Good Decision for a Day, Oh, I got the answer for you. It's Gentle Ben. It's a great pleasure of mine to tell you all about Gentle Ben for a variety of different reasons. At the top of that list is because I believe what I say. We're transparent on this show, and Gentle Ben is the best. Whether it's the vodka, best in the state, the gin, best in the market, or the bourbon, the double platinum winner at the prestigious Ascot Awards. Gentle Ben uses their innovative, revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits that you'll ever taste. Smooth, clean, eliminates the burn. Don't labor through your drink. Enjoy it. 
Savor it. And you can do that with Gentle Ben. Head to GentleBin.com to learn the incredible story. You can also register to win Astro tickets later in July. They want to send you to the Astros game. All you have to do is enter to win uh, with their sweepstakes over on their website. Head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room or stop at your favorite liquor store on the way home. Total Wine specs many of the local stores to pick up a bottle today. Ask for it the next time you're at your favorite restaurant or bar as well. And stop by the Gentle Ben Bar at Minute Maid Park. Highest craft, softest sip. That's Gentle Ben. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Head over to J-Bar-M all the time. Uh, but especially on 4th of July, J-Bar-M $5 sausage corn dogs that are amazing. Their barbecue sauce is delicious, too. I was dipping that, that corn dog into the barbecue sauce, and it was great. Uh, corn dogs for the kids, happy hour all day, live music in the breezy covered beer garden. That's important. It's a great spot, awesome spot. you got the skyline of downtown Houston, and it's an Edo, and it's full parking lot. Where else can you find that? Great food, great drinks, great times, and cheap deals on the 4th of July. They fed us today those sausage corn dogs, those smoked chicken wings, those crispy pretzels, the banana pudding that I'm saving for later, and a little watermelon ranch water. Very satisfying lunch. It was fantastic. All right, more people weighing in on the uh, the move that they would make if they're dusty. 6167 says, change Gary Pettis. That is a bit surprising. Really? Gary Pettis can be a bit of a windmill. Gary he got Pettis a little aggressive can be the other very, night and got away with it. It worked. Yeah. It worked. Now, Gary Pettis, if, if we had a scale of 1 to 10, on the 1 side, it's they're conservative, they're not very aggressive, and a 10 is they're aggressive to the max. Gary Pettis is a 10. Gary Pettis is on that side of the spectrum. There's no doubt about it. And there's times where his aggression cost him. I'm not getting rid of Gary Pettis. That's not the one move I'm making if I'm Dusty Baker. That's one of the last worries I have. Yeah, no, exactly. I think your coaching staff is not the problem. It hasn't been the problem. We had someone even having a conversation about the pitching coaches the other day. It's not about the coaching staff at this point. It's not about a run here or there with Gary Pettis. It's about producing consistent runs and hits and offensively and defensively doing things you need to do when you're trying to catch a team that's ahead of you, which you're not accustomed to. So that's where it all starts and ends for me. Yeah, we can have Willie's conversation, offense, defense, and trying to find the right mix. But the bottom line is there's too many things to fix on the field before you start worrying about the coaching staff. Yeah, it's far from uh, one of my concerns. Someone else saying bench Maldonado. See, I don't even want to bench Maldonado. I want to start them two of every five or six guys in the rotation. Right now it's five. Fromber Valdez, and you can literally pick the other person. If, if you feel like he gives Hunter Brown a little bit of an edge, cool. P- have him with Hunter Brown. Uh, Martin Maldonado, sh- like, I'm not getting rid of him. I'm not I'm not making him, like, go away. I'm not making him a coach. Like, he's still on this roster, and he's still going to have a lot of value to this team, whether helping Diaz get ready for a start uh, or he's catching Fromber and whatever starter you want to give him. But Yiner needs to catch three of five guys in this rotation for this offense to kind of come close to reaching their ceiling without Jordan, not or only, even with Jordan. But he's also got to be in the lineup because we know injuries happen at any time. It's a long season. And you got to keep everybody fresh and ready. And no matter how many times you're in the cages or or, or, or taking BP off of, of pitching coaches and, I mean, uh, BP coaches and things like that, you've got to stay major league ready. And, and we know that this team is about insurance policies anyway. 
But no matter who ends up getting the majority of the starts and who ends up being your starting catcher into the playoffs, you have way too much of the season left to be played out to where you can just be focusing on just, let's just bench Maldi and give Yiner all the starts. Yeah, 713-780-ESP at HRP listener line. Uh, 3780 says, I'm thinking a lot of people are going to say if they were Dusty for one day, they would resign. That's not nice. That's not nice. Dusty, Dusty likes money. Dusty, he ain't resigned. But you make one Dusty decision. I see where it's funny. It's I see where you're coming from. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Dusty does like money. Avita says Yiner uh, one, two. Mauricio subs one of our regular starters a day, which is kind of be super utility. I would get him more starts in left field, and then three Chaz starts no matter what. I agree with all of these things. All of these things See, are co- totally fine by me. I agree with all those things, with the exception of left field is fine for Dubon. Instead of saying you rest one of your regulars every day, because again, when you're in a in the midst of trying to figure out your offense, I'm not really big on right now making sure one of those guys every day you can get him a day off every now and then, uh, and that's where Dubon can do that. But I'm not going to sit there and say every game another one of your regulars sits. I'm not going because I still think they have ground to make up, and there's enough to do where I'm not doing that right now until uh, uh, Jordan comes back. Would you be okay if they the regulars rested one time a week? Sure. So you could start Dubon. Let's say you're playing a full game, full, you know, seven game week or six games. It doesn't even matter. But Dubon gives one of those, that gives an infielder a day off once a week. So he starts to Dubon. He starts for uh, Bregman on a Monday. He starts for Pena on a Tuesday. He starts for Altuve on a Wednesday. He starts for Abreu on a Thursday. And then he plays left field two or three of the other games. That's fine. I think that's the, the, I mean, and you might even give Dubon a day off. Like it might be a five day for Mauricio Dubon where he's given one of those guys a day off and then he's starting in left field once or twice a week. I think that's the way that you handle Or you start him at first base twice and then you recharge the batteries yet again of, yeah. of a guy that you need uh, in a break give him some some extra sabbaticals like there's there's a way to handle dubon where you're not giving days off too often for some of these regulars left field is still available especially with jordan being out so there's ways that you can manage it but you're right like 50 shades of gray kessinger doesn't need to be starting twice Celazar, nope. blind madras once a piece as well all right what is the one move you'd make if you're dana you get one move you're dana brown you're not trading for show a uh 713-780-3776 what is it for you Wow, it's a bat. Uh, I'm trying to figure out which bat would be ideal. Um, do you need a certain handedness? Do you care if it's a lefty? Do you care if it's a righty? I don't. I prefer lefty, I, but I, it's not a deal breaker. I can understand why, but at this point, I need a guy that's just a stick. And, and like we talked about previously, I need a guy that can play multiple positions if I need him to. If he can play first base in the outfield, it's ideal because he can also DH a little bit. That'd be fantastic. But you know, if you just need a stick and because you're very much in need of a power surge as well. I mean, one of the names that comes to mind right away that you had suggested early on is Solaire, just because of the fact that he is a big power bat. He is a big dude. He can play the outfield in the corner outfield spots, um, and he would fit right into this lineup to give them what they need. The problem, yeah, I, I love the idea of Solaire. I expected Miami to kind of fall out of the race a little bit more by now, but they're currently 11 games above right. 500. They're 45 and 34. Uh, they're a team that, if the season were to end today, they'd be the best. They would be the top wild card team in the NL. So they haven't faded. So I wonder if Jorge and all this Soler with a, with, a, with an ace that's been less than you and I were talking yeah. about during the break. Uh, Alcantara has been, or Alcantara has been less than stellar. I mean, he early in the season he went with a complete game, just a, a mowed everybody down, threw a lot of pitches. And just has been struggling for the majority of the season. They had they, that young kid, the Yuri Perez guy, who's a stud. But if he gets right, yeah, I mean, 
That's a You're team right. They're not going anywhere. They have a pretty like they have a talented rotation. Like if he can get to pitching where he was pitching last year, where he's winning the Cy Young, and you yeah. pair him with Perez, and then you have the most electric player in baseball and Luisa Rise paired with the power bat of Jorge Soler, like that's a pretty scary team. Do I think they're coming out of the NL? No. Do I think it's a playoff team? I do. And in Miami, if you make the playoffs, based on how much they've been dealing with Jeter and rebuilding and. And, you know, wallowing in the basement, they'll take that. They'll be excited about that. That'll be a win-win. Yep. So if we're, if we're factoring that in, I mean, I just made one move no, regardless of the situation. I'd go get Solaire. A lot of Same. people have suge- suggested Goldschmidt. You can't take on another massive contract. Yeah, I think he's unrealistic yeah. because of the contract, because of the, 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 the how much money he's making. Like, Jim Crane might upgrade. Look. Jose Abreu is having a really good June. Jose Abreu, compared to the rest of the months, has been outstanding. Uh, after his sabbatical, he's been hitting the baseball hard. Jose Abreu has been... Great in June. I, I tongue-in-cheek a little bit there, but he's been really good. So you're probably not looking to upgrade at first base right now. If he goes down into the you know the tank for the next three weeks and you're thinking about upgrading at first base, I think the most logical thing is you just play Yiner there mm-hmm. or you trade for like a cheap first baseman that's a rental. I, I don't think they're going to have two huge, big contracts that are both first basemen. See, and that's the other thing that's a drawback. You start looking at the lesser teams that are out of it for the most part that might be willing to make the deal with you. And a lot of them just have unrealistic uh, trade partners because of the fact that the contracts they're trying to unload come with massive amounts of money at massive amount or at too many years. Like even if the Royals are out of it and everybody wants Sal Perez, Sal Perez's contract is so big. It sure it would solve the problem for this year, but you're on the hook for a lot of money. Yeah. If you put him behind the dish, you put Yiner at first base. Problem solved in my mind for in a lot of ways, but. It's not going to happen because the Astros and Jim Crane aren't going to take on another big contract. It's interesting. That's an interesting suggestion. Like Sal catching and Yiner at first because yeah. I hadn't really thought about that because I, I kind of dismissed Salvador Perez as an Astro option because, one, Martin Maldonado. Uh, secondly, Yiner Diaz. Sal's contract's not awful. Like he's at 20 this year. He's at 20 next year. He's at 22 the year after that. But he's already he's already 33. The Astros do have about $20 million under the competitive balance tax. I think that they will add salary if they oh, have they will. to. I think so. But I don't think they'll go over the CBT. I don't think it's going to be a big deal, though. I, 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 don't, I, don't I think th- you could fit Salvador. But it, just on the numbers that you just gave me, it made makes it even it makes it more of a of a intriguing possibility than for me to think that he was pricing himself out because they didn't want another big contract. They could take that contract on. It's a little risky because now you're talking about a guy a little older playing a tougher, harder on your body position like catcher. But boy, if you put Salvador Perez behind the plate and you had Yiner to play at first base. I love that idea. Yeah, I really do. Because Salvador gives you a plus bat offensively that can hit some dongs. And then Yiner. See, Jose Abreu right now, the way he's playing, though, like you're not benching Jose Abreu right now because he's been playing well. Like he's been hitting the ball hard. He's been, you know, smashing the baseball left and right. You know what would be a shrewd move? And we don't know if Dana Brown, like, is capable of this yet. I think he is. Personally, I think Dana Brown's going to be a really good general manager for the Astros. A shrewd move is kind of like the Oda Rizzi deal last year. Remember the Astros? Oda Rizzi had like the player option. It was possible that he could have opted mm-hmm. in, and now you're owing him whatever amount of money it was. I think it was, I can't even remember, somewhere between 10 and $15 million. Mm-hmm. I think the Astros would be smart to take a bigger salary back than Rafael Montero, but to get out of the years. Like, say, say random team has struggling pitcher X that is making $18 million, but this is the final year of his deal. Like, try to figure out a trade, even if you have to attach, like, a B or C-level prospect to where we're going to send you Montero, Mm -hmm. who's making $12.5 million a year, B, C-level prospect for your last year of 
this isn't the case for Zach Greinke, but Zach Greinke's like just came to mind. If Zach Greinke was making $18, $20 million a year, I'm going to trade Montero and a B-level, C-level prospect to get out of the contract for an expiring contract that you have and hope you can kind of get something out of them. But if you don't, well, you're out of the contract at the end of the year. Yeah, no, I would be fine exploring that opportunity, but it would depend on who the player is. I don't think you're making the team better by doing that, though. Because no. anybody who's trading that type of player isn't going to be a player that's producing good. It's almost like the, the who was it? Was it Smith? Joe Smith for the Rafael Montero? Yeah. Was that was was his name, Joe yep. Smith? Yep. It's almost that type of trade. where you, you're Mr. Trading, Alley LaForce? Yeah. yeah. You're trading two pitchers who are performing poorly, and you're just exchanging the contracts. 713-780-3776. You can play Dana Brown for one deal. What is the deal you're making? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph procedure. What is that, you say? Well, if you're losing your hair on a pretty consistent basis or you've already lost it, and I mean, you know, in the front where your forehead's become an eight head or the top uh, has a big bald spot, looks like a baboon's behind, you don't think you can do anything about it but shave your head, there's a solution right now called the Neograph procedure. It's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem. It's solving the problem. It's your own hair. Taking where genetically, you're never going to lose it. The sides and the back, putting it where you need it most, changes your appearance, changes your outlook and your self-confidence along with it, and you feel better and look great every single day. Go to 975hair.com right now. Get all the information. If you want, sign up for an appointment because as an ESPN 97.5 listener, you're going to get that appointment and that consultation with Doc and his staff for free. It normally costs 150 bucks. Go in, no obligation. Ask all the questions. Get all the answers. See if the procedure's right for you. It was right for me. It was fantastic. Doc suggested it. I did it. I couldn't be happier. And the best part about it is 95-plus percent of the follicles that are moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. And, and really, the process is painless. It was easy. And you see the results starting to develop right from the get-go the very next day. Check them out. Tell them I sent you by. I believe that Doc's the best in the business. It's Doc Linville. Go to 975hair.com. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Always informed decisions. 713-780-3776. What is the one move you're making if you're Dana? Uh, backstage pass says Stroh's main problems. They need to execute with runners in scoring position. That's true. Dana Brown needs to acquire a batter two to get this offense back on track to compete with the Rangers. I don't think you can bring in two. I really don't. Where are you playing two bats? Unless one of them's a bench bat. I think you can only fit one bat into this lineup. Uh, quite frankly, I do. I don't think you can acquire two. Unless one's a for sure bench guy. But you can only really bring in one bat. Yeah, No, I think you're right. And we talked about it quite a while in terms of with the money, the years, and the abilities and experiences you've already committed to. It's, it's going to be tough, and you don't want to say that you're going to do what you did a year ago and just look for insurance policies because you need more than that, and you can't afford to worry about too many hurt feelings either. But you have to be realistic, and Bregman's not going anywhere, and Altuve's not going anywhere, and as much as Willie suggested it, you know, Pena's not going anywhere. You know the guys that are going to be there. The big question marks are where you might have to really get creative because Brantley may not play for you all season. Yeah. 
And if that's a problem, that's a big problem because now you're looking for possibly two bats instead of one, yep. which is more challenging not only to find, but also what you're going to give up to get them. Yep. Not saying, uh, although. What? Uh, Pedro Leone's on a bit of a hot streak right now. I think I would trade Pedro Leone. Try you to said get, yesterday you were looking at the age concern. He's 25. You too. I don't know if he's like. He's never hit for really good average. Like, you, you better make a decision now. Like, either you trade him now, or you need to be sure that you're going to be able to count on him as a big leaguer as soon as next season. And where's he going to play? That's the thing. That's why I'm right? trading him. Like, yeah. maybe left field, but I don't think. Like, Drew Gilbert's more highly touted than right than, now, yeah. Than Pedro Leone, and Gilbert's been going through a little bit of a slump in Corpus. Uh, not saying I'd trade Maldi for a bag of curveballs and watch Dusty protest by starting Caesar Salazar for a week. That would definitely happen. It definitely was going to be not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, that would absolutely happen. Triple zero two. Miami will trade either Solera or Siri. Siri's in Tampa. Uh, Grinky loves him some Papa. Uh, Grinky's terrible. See how many bombs Siri has? He's got fourteen. Fourteen. He's got more than Randy or Rosarina. That's unbelievably hard to believe. And he's done it. He's done it in almost half the games. Wow. I was looking at. I was looking at that this morning for a little bit of prep. I saw it pop up on the on the crawl like a night or two ago, and I went, he's got 14 bombs. Yeah. Dr. Dre somewhere is like just all giddy with joy. He's yeah, 14 bombs, which would be the second most on the Astros. Yeah, behind Jordan, right? Behind Jordan. Um, a Rose Arena has 14 home runs and 331 plate appearances. Siri has 14 home runs and 177 plate appearances. His OPS is 845. Good night. Yeah, it's who, crazy. Who saw that coming? No one. Like no one, like he he had power. He had great elite elite defensive prowess and, and center speed, yeah. and very good speed. But I never thought he would be able to just like be able to touch the barrel of the bat fourteen times in a season. Yeah, could he be consistently yeah, that he's, good? He's having a really good year. He's no having a really good year with Tampa. Which is a really good spot for him. Uh, Grinky's like north of five. He's got he's like one in seven with like a five twenty five ERA. It doesn't make sense. Like you're bringing in Grinky, he's basically like a more cachet Brandon Belak. He's an older, more experienced pitcher than what you already have. Yep. Giolito, I'd be intrigued with Giolito for sure. I would too. 2-4-3-3, bullpen arm is more important than a bat. Can't be worried going to the pin with a 2-3 run lead. I, I disagree. Like, the Astros bullpen has been struggling lately. They're still a top 10 bullpen in baseball. They have a bullpen where you look at in the postseason, like, you have a bit of confidence even though there's struggles. I have confidence in Presley. He's been pitching well lately. Naris has been outstanding. I think that Brian Abreu is going to figure it out. Phil Maton's having a really good year. The Astros' bullpen is not a weakness, even though the last few weeks it has felt that way. The Astros still have a top 10 bullpen in baseball. Their offense is below average. Their offense without Jordan Alvarez is one of the bottom seven offenses in all of baseball. I think bats way more important than bullpen arm. This team right now has too many talented hitters to be in the 20s in offensive production. There's just not that's just not something that's acceptable for a playoff or World Series caliber team and something has to change. Yes, we know with injuries that there's the there's the chance that things are going to change. We know Jordan's going to be back and that's that's where a lot of it's going to change. But Brantley is such a big question mark right now, and the fact that you're underproducing at first base. You've been underproducing at third base, though Bregman's been hotter and showing signs of life lately, that you're going to need to do something to boost this offense. Yeah, the offense has been the uh, the issue. I, I still think that they have a, a bullpen that can compete in October. Uh, zero four four one. if I'm GM and can only make one move, I'm going after a bat. Injuries with Brantley, Altuve, Yornon, and off, uh, offensive woes. Have me the most concerned. Otani is out of reach. Jock Peterson will be a realistic target, but Giants likely won't be sellers. I turn to Tyler O'Neill from the Cardinals. 
Tyler O'Neill's been really bad the last two years. Jake Myers has been a better baseball player than Tyler O'Neill the last two years. Now, O'Neill three years ago had a breakout year. If you think you're getting that Tyler O'Neill, cool. I'm interested. If it's Tyler O'Neill the last two seasons, he's not an upgrade over what you already have in the outfield. Somebody says Shohei, show me a deal where you get Shohei. I can't. Like how? What? What is even a deal that you would get him? Because I think it's going to cost Hunter Brown, Pena, Pedro Leon, and Drew Gobert. Like I think that's a realistic trade for Shohei Otani that they would want, that the Angels would want, and the Angels are in the race. They, they're trading for players to help them. They traded for Eduardo Escobar. They traded for for the Moose. Like they're tra- they're trying to be buyers right now, even in late June. But even like even if they do ship Shohei, what are the Astros giving for Shohei? Put something on my table, on my plate that is realistic that would get the Astros Shohei Otani. There's just not. I think again, the conversation starts with Hunter Brown. Quite we, frankly, I do. Oh, I think it's part of it. Sure. And, and the last thing you want to do is is see Hunter Brown face you. Uh, you know, multiple times in a season to remind you of what you gave up when Otani certainly isn't going to resign here when he looks at the fact that there are teams in the biggest markets that are going to throw money at him, including the Dodgers, to where he could stay, literally stay where he is, switch teams, mm-hmm. and, and, and be, you know, in a big-time spot to be in a playoff situation year after year after year. I just don't think it's realistic. If Shohei is traded at the deadline, he is going to return the Angels one premium piece. One premium piece. With a couple that have the opportunity yeah. to be everyday starters. Like an A-level player, young player. Like The Astros don't have the prospects. That's why I'm saying Hunter Brown. Like A trade for Shohei might not require a big leaguer, but it's probably going to take like a top 15 prospect in baseball with like Two. several... I think if you're talking about not getting a premier already in the big leagues type player, you're going to get two pretty top prospects from somebody. I, yeah, I think one of them's probably top 15, one of them's probably top 50, and then probably two or three others that are B mm-hmm. and C level prospects. I think that is the return for Shohei Otani, even though he is a re- an expiring He's contract. A yeah. I, I doubt, I personally doubt that they're going to trade Shohei. If they do, it's going to cost a lot, even though he's a rental. Because he's Joey Otani, and the Astros don't have the pipeline that they could like match that. So the only way the Astros could be in the conversation is if you're starting the foundation of that trade with Hunter Brown. And I'm not doing that. I wouldn't trade Hunter Brown for Shohei Otani. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either because of the fact that, that the financial ramifications are going to be through the roof at the end of the season if you want to try and keep Shohei Otani. And I don't think that Jim Crane is in the market to do what Otani's looking for. No, uh, you have you have Hunter Brown for this year and five more, or you get Shohei Otani for three months. I'm going Hunter Brown. I'm going Hunter Brown. I'm going Hunter Brown there. Maybe that's unpopular. I don't know. Um, but, and honestly, Jeremy, you're probably getting Hunter Brown and Jordan Alvarez for the same price as what Otani's going to get on his next cheaper. Year. Yeah, cheaper because Hunter Brown's going to be making league minimum for a couple more years. Right. Then he starts the arbitration once he's in the fourth year of his league, and you have Jordan locked into what a sixteen point six six million dollar deal. Shohei's going to get fifty to sixty mil, right? Per right? Yeah. Like I, I'm sorry. That's like a majority of the roster. I love Shohei Otani. Yeah, but he's going to get it. Shohei oh, Otani's my favorite non-Astro in baseball but by I, far. I don't. Think, I'm not trading for Shohei Otani. I don't think Hunter Brown not trading him is an unpopular opinion. It's the right opinion because. It could be both, though. But Hunter, like Hunter Brown, is a valuable asset that people think is going to be Justin Verlander light over his career with the Astros, which is unfair. Which it's is very, very unfair. unfair. And ESPN did it again the other night. But I'd be if, I'd be happy if Hunter Brown won a Cy Young, but, much less three. Yeah, but even if there's a chance that he's as good as Justin Verlander, he is more valuable to this team than three months of Otani. The great one of the greatest baseball teams of all time was the 2019 Astros. They didn't win anything. Yep, baseball's so like, not a 
you, baseball, you you don't. I mean, okay, let me figure out how I want to say this. Like the Angels for years have been a stars and scrubs team. They've been Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, high contract players. They get hurt and a bunch of scrubs, and they've been bad. So what do they do this off season? They signed a bunch of average players, and with a bunch of average players and a couple of stars, they are a solid baseball team. Any team who is signing Shohei Otani, except for like the Mets or the high, like the Dodgers, but if the Astros sign Shohei Otani, the rest of their team is going to be awful, and they will not be a playoff team. They will be good for a little bit, maybe a year or two, but then Crane will stop paying people. Yeah, like that's that would be my concern. Would you? What if it started with Tucker? Like you know, Tucker's not staying long term. Yeah, but you, but you get two more years of Tucker. Like, I know. Let's say Tucker walks. Let's just say straight up. Like, let's not get cute with this. Would you rather have Tucker rested this year, two more years, or three months of Shohei Otani? Tucker. I'd rather have Tucker. Yep. I'd rather have Tucker. Like, I, I just think that Jim Crane, the way he does business too, is going to see the return on the investment as being anything is better than three months. And if he doesn't realistically think that he's got a chance to re-sign Otani. And I don't think he's going to even want to sniff it at the amount of the uh, the annual, the average annual. He, he's just going to say, not, not for me, not with all the guys I already have tied up and the guys that I'm looking to have to resign. I just don't think he's in on it. Five seven nine eight Dylan Cease. That's a name I'm intrigued by. And then one one zero six. We need Eduardo Rodriguez ASAP. Sold. I love Eduardo Rodriguez. He's making a rehab start on Thursday. So he's coming back from that finger injury. 713-780-3776. Who do you want? What's the one managerial move uh, that you would make you think, as Joe, well? you think your White Sox would give up Dylan Cease? Is he uh, club controlled? He is. The rumor I, is on the White Sox that they're not trading guys that are that are club controlled. Yeah, I think that they were going to trade Giolito, but I don't think they're going to trade. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll trade Giolito. I think they will trade Tim Anderson though. He's if they can get anything, he's been awful. Yeah, I know. Bad. Awful. Wait, you think they won't trade Giolito? No, I, I think they will. They will because yeah. I don't think that they've come. To, they haven't been able to come close on anything for the future. I think they're gonna, they're ready to just get rid of him. Did you call him? Did you say that uh, that was Joe's team? Yeah, yeah. Had a boy. Yeah, I love that. Who are their Reynolds that they? Well, have he there? Just, and he's wearing his Cubs hat today. Yeah, I'm just ignoring the comment. I would love Luis Robert, but he they're not trading him. No way. I mean, he's been, not he's been heating up. They're not trading him. He's been awesome. All right, I think I came across the perfect plan in Rockets free agency. I'll tell you what it is and see if Blankers is on board. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.